Easter. But um, I thought it was good for us as we consider. Sorry, that's so little. I didn't mean for my title to be quite as small as it, as it is. The title is The Problem with Finding the Kingdom. There are various disclosures that financial institutions or even uh, if you're making a major purchase, uh, there are various disclosures that a seller of a house has to make if you are going to buy their house. They have to tell you all the things that are wrong with it huh? before you buy it. I mean, they're supposed to. <laughs> maybe you've bought a house before where they've failed to disclose everything that they maybe should have known. We've run into that a thing or two with the, even the house that we're in now. Um, I probably should have started my series with this. So many of the parables of Jesus revolve around the finding and the living as a member of the kingdom. I want to warn you all or remind you all of something you already know. There's a risk. There's a risk in finding the kingdom. Jesus gave kind of a rapid-fire three parables in Matthew 13. Very short. One of them just a verse long, others a few more. All of them, though, have to do with that theme of finding the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like Treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew in ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're just hearing these parables maybe for the first time in weeks, if not years. I've spent the last five, six days or so reading through them. I need to confess to you all that as I read through them and thought about the implications and ramifications, even though it may sound like a funny thing to say, as a start of my thoughts for today, I wonder if we read these or hear these and wonder if we really want to find the kingdom or not. Is what Christians are supposed to do, no doubt, go around seeking the kingdom of God. But have we thought about the problems associated with finding it? I would suggest that a few of them are included within this smattering their series of parables. For some of us, finding the kingdom is something that happens or happened when we're not even looking for it. Some of us have been caught, as it were, by God. I was one who had a 
conversion very early in my childhood. I never made a conscious decision to seek the kingdom. I wasn't, no one is born into the kingdom of God, as it were, without a decision on their own behalf, but I mean, my whole life. If Judson Baptist Church had, it, had its doors open, I can remember one time I stayed home, I had chicken pox. There was probably more time than that, but I remember that. But if the doors were open, I was there, and many of you had similar experiences. Where the kingdom of God, based on the faithful testimony of your parents, or grandparents, or aunts, or uncles, caught you instead of you catching the kingdom. Some of you were caught by the kingdom of God based on the fervent prayers of a grandparent who spent countless hours, maybe even after you had strayed a bit, praying you back. Or maybe there are some who just kind of awkwardly stumble upon Christianity or the kingdom of God at some point within their journeys of life. So for some, there is no decision to seek the kingdom, kind of like the net that Jesus talks about in that third parable. You're just kind of swept up into it. But there are those who intentionally search out the kingdom. There is certainly nothing wrong with that. The merchant in the second parable that I read a moment ago was doing something similar and found something so spectacular that he sold everything he had to buy it. Merchants in Jesus' day were obsessive in their search after pearls of great price. Those who know such things explained that they would sometimes travel as far away as the Persian Gulf or even India, trying to find one little pearl, believing that if they did that, any financial problem they had would be solved. And so they devoted their lives to finding this one thing. At some point... At some point, we likely all, at least for some period of time, engage in a search for something. Something that will make our life easier when the obstacles get to be too much. Something that will provide clarity about the direction that we should go. We're all at times searching for something. Not just for something more, but for something greater in our lives. There's this sense that we're created for more than just our own sense of happiness. It's been suggested that our hearts include a God-shaped vacuum. That only God is able to fill. According to Jesus and his teaching, the greatest thing that we can engage in searching for or in searching out more deeply is the kingdom. The man in the first parable that found the treasure in the field, he just stumbled upon it when he wasn't even looking for it. 
He found it as he plowed one day. One poor farmer working another man's field just stumbles upon this great treasure, inestimable in regard to worth. Can you imagine his surprise as he's out there with probably a team of oxen and all of a sudden they just kind of stop. They run into something. I mean, what's that? Investigates and there it is. Treasure that he never expected to find. Commentators explain that in those days, there wasn't really a place to store valuables like banks or safety deposit boxes or whatever the case may be. And so those who had something of worth, knowing that at any time, a band of soldiers, probably most often Romans, could come into their homes and take whatever they wanted, they would hide their treasure, put it in a field with the thought that if their property was overrun or if their home was invaded, they would leave it, come back for it later, where only they knew where it was and repossess it. Buried treasure, literally. The man in Jesus' parable finds it while he wasn't even searching for it. It was probably the last thing on his mind that day when he went out to work. Maybe Jesus' point here in regard to the kingdom is that the unique thing about the kingdom is not its hiddenness, but its, I think this is a word, its everydayness that the kingdom can be found and our experience of the kingdom can be found in the most mundane of activities. When we would never expect to run across the reality of the kingdom. Like that team of oxen, all of a sudden we're stopped in our tracks and realize, wow, this is kingdom living. Now our eyes have to be open for the kingdom. Glimpses of the kingdom, at least, are available probably each day. Think about what (coughs) was required of man. In order to invest, in order to obtain the treasure he found, Jesus explained that he sold all that he had in order to buy the field where the treasure was. In order for him to obtain or possess the treasure, it required, it required a complete dedication, a complete recanting of what he had worked for to that point, of what he had obtained to that point, by his own strength and by his own work, recognizing that what he stood to gain was worth far more than all he had obtained to that point. He sold everything. Obtaining the kingdom, obtaining the treasure, cost him literally all that he had. For honest, 
This kingdom that Jesus initiated asks a lot of us. In that third parable, the one that's a little uncomfortable, as if the first two don't have implications that make us at least aware that the kingdom has some cost to it. There's the, the net, this catching of fish, and this separating the good and the bad. Maybe Jesus is warning his hearers, warning us, that there will come a time where those who have understood the kingdom and live it out in their lives are separated from those who don't. The disciples, we talked about the sower last week and the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, hey, I know you, had, I know you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't think my ears are working too good. They didn't quite get that one. They would have understood this one immediately. Jesus talking about the experience of fishing to a group of fishermen. Immediately as Jesus talks about pulling the net in, they would have been taken back in their minds to the smell of the sea and the burn of the rope on their hands. The weight of the net as it's dragged through the water. The image of the kingdom that he concludes with in this little series of parables is not treasure in a field. It is not a pearl of great price. It's the gospel net that catches fish of every kind. Red and yellow, black and white. To partially quote an old Sunday school song. The good are gathered in the boat. The bad are tossed away. Whether we're found by the kingdom or find the kingdom, whether you stumble across it like the poor man in the field or search for it until you find it like the rich merchant in the marketplace looking for the pearl of great price or are caught by it like a fish at sea, The problem with finding the kingdom is the cost. Notice in both early parables, as I said, the the men gave up everything they had to purchase what was the kingdom to them. It was a gamble. Getting in on the kingdom costs everything you have, Jesus says. But there's also, in that truth, the truth of the value of the kingdom. Buying into the kingdom means giving up parts of ourselves. Old habits and ways of doing things that are destructive to ourselves or to others. It means giving up selfishness that finds us holding back from God. It means being willing to give up all of what we hold as that which provides us security, maybe. It costs 
our whole lives. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read it from my Bible here. It's a familiar passage to you. Whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Whatever gain I had, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, Paul says. Paul had found great treasure in knowing Jesus through faith. The greatest treasure of all. His are the words of a man who knows that in finding the kingdom, he's found a glimpse of God's will for his life. So however it is that you may find the kingdom or the kingdom may have found you in your life, I pray that we are willing to give all that we have to live out and experience the kingdom more deeply. Yes, it will cost you. It may cost you everything. But there is nothing that will provide you, provide us, provide me a greater sense of joy as we realize the reason that we were created. Amen.